discernment requires you to understand the bad soils in order to understand and really live as good soil. And the main issue in good soil is this good soil reproduces. And what does it reproduce? More seeds of the kingdom. So it brings in more people. The, the, as the parable shows, the kingdom mission of a follower of Jesus is to plant the seed of the gospel. This is called evangelism. And then disciple people to maturity. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. Your journey of faith is one that you are on, whether you like it or not, and you're either growing or shrinking every single day. And we want to be part of your growth plan. We want you to know what you believe and why you believe it so that you are strong, not easily swayed by the winds of change in the culture, but instead you know what you are doing, why you believe what you believe, and you don't just let everyone else tell you what to do in your life. <laughs> Don't be a sheeple. No sheeples here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Hey, everybody. It's so good to be here with you today, podcasting. And uh, I'm really excited about some of the things we're going to talk about today. Lots on the agenda. Lots on the agenda. We, on Tuesday, discussed the parable of the sowers. Some people remember it as the parable of four soils. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus tells a basic story that everyone is pretty familiar with. Um, a farmer sows seeds to grow. The seed falls on four different types of soil. It only mm -hmm. grows and produces when it falls on good soil. And there are three other soils that it won't grow in, one which is the path, one which is the rocky soil, and one which is the weedy soil. Mm -hmm. um, and what were the biblical, uh, biblical principles we discussed on Tuesday? <laughs> little tongue-tied there, Jesse. Biblical <laughs> principles. That doesn't happen very often for you, man. You're smooth as butter in <laughs> July. So... Well, I believe this parable is describing things going on in this world with incredible accuracy, both personally for individuals mm. and for our society, American society at large. It illustrates uh, uh, an individual's personal struggle. It, this parable, the more you read about it and think about it, you know, gets you to ask the question, am I good soil? And what that does is it reveals your side of the equation in your faith. Right? right, it forces you to ask the uh, the, the question: uh, What am I doing that makes me more like the hard or the weedy or the rocky? And am I really good soil? Now, that's so it really has implications for us as individuals. Right. The second thing I think is really important to discuss is it explains what's going on in the world. You know, if the kingdom of God is like this, and Jesus specifically wants the kingdom of God to expand and grow, then it also points out that the devil has a role in snatching the seed of the gospel away, right? Right. Because he refers to the devil as the birds that snatch mm -hmm. the seed away. The devil has a role in throwing rocks, right? So right. that sha uh, shallow soil is developed in a person's life. He has weeds grow up, like in the very first parable of this series, the parable of the weeds. Remember the evil one, Satan, came in and sowed weeds, right? which were people. And so uh, I think that you look at the world and you go, well, the Satan's perspective is the more human suffering, the more disappointment, division, anger, hardness that I can propagate, the better. Because... 
if the if I can create in this world all of this bad stuff, it puts a shield or it beats everybody down, right, in their faith, and it puts a shield so the seed can't penetrate, allows right. me to come in and snatch it away. Right. So um, giving him, you know, free reign in our society that is what we are doing in many different ways is helping me understand as an individual what's going on in the world. Why is there so much pain and suffering? So I think what we ought to do is we ought to just kind of go through these specifically one at a time, you know, and then um, I'll talk about it a little bit, and then you can comment about what strikes you is pretty significant. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Well, first of all, um, what I stated on Tuesday is that the primary goal of most people in today's world is personal fulfillment, which I define as happiness, right? right. And I, I think that really, when you strip it all away, if someone says, you know, I want political power or I want a big business or I want money or I want the, I want love, I want romance, that comes from a, a soul desire of fulfillment, right? We want something to fulfill us. And so a lot of times what we say is, I know I'm fulfilled when I'm happy. Right. When I'm sad and depressed, I'm not fulfilled. So what's interesting is he says the first set of soil represents people who are so hard of heart that the seed cannot penetrate, that the devil, which is the bird, comes in and snatches away. So how does a person become path soil? Well, by being beaten down by life. Last, week, uh, last Tuesday we said hurt people hurt people, right? So if you are or you know somebody who has been beat down in life, then the key to being able to receive the seed of the gospel is healing. Start to break up that stuff that has hardened it so much. Encourage yourself or encourage these people to start the process of healing. You know, you can ask simple questions like, are you really happy and fulfilled? You know, the old Dr. Phil quote, which is, how's that working for you? <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't have to immediately preach, well, Jesus came to fix it. Uh, I think the thing is, is that, well, do you want to heal? Do you, you know, these types of questions start turning up that hardened heart, that hardened soil. Are you satisfied? Are you really happy? How's it working for you? Beaten down soil can be made into good soil by doing two things. First of all, tilling it up, right? Right. You break it up and everything. And then once it's broken up and loosed and, and kind of uh, been tilled, what happens is you add nutrients to it. Not maybe minerals like other types of soil, you know, like phosphates or sand or something to kind of keep the clay from, or you need to add other things, you know, like, you know, manure, right? right. To, you work all, you know, peat, um, uh, all of this kind of stuff into the soil to turn it into good soil. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is the basic principles of farming and or any agriculture is you yeah. don't just throw seed on, on, cultivated land right yeah. and i mean when he talks about path soil the way you make a path at least a dirt path is you take dirt and you just beat it beat it down, down yeah. until it solidifies and mm -hmm. then you can walk on it without falling through it which is what you want in a path but it's not what you want in your spiritual life right and so yeah. in order to break up a path or to utilize that 
soil, it has to be broken up. And usually that means you take a big plow or some other tilling yeah. device and go through there and break it up and let it expand and breathe again. And then, like you said, you're, you're adding nutrients and, and things mm -hmm. that'll help things grow. But there is a process of having to break it up, which I think is sometimes the hardest part is the, the hardest whole. part yeah you know and beat down soil is calloused you know yeah. the whole point is like if it rains a lot and you have cultivated land it you know it turns into a big mud puddle right, right. or it's all muddy and your tractor gets stuck your horse gets stuck but the beat down path stays what hard as a rock even though yep. it's getting rained on it becomes callous and i think a lot of people today are are calloused about life they're not able mm. to enjoy life they're not feeling the depth and the wonder and the the beauty of life you know it's so right. important and but the wor way in which we're living in our, our lives today is we're missing out on this so i think that's the personal implication of that soil the 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 societal implication of this soil is that Satan is doing uh, strategically something in this world to create more beat down people. Right. Right. And so it's interesting is that the whole goal in life was life is so hard and difficult up to just 120 years ago. A lot of people are not aware. Everybody in America was poor poverty stricken, you know, I mean, people lived on less than 90 cents a day. Right. And what has happened is the goal was work hard, cultivate the land you have and work your way out of poverty. And that process produced a lot of highly emotionally intelligent people, intellectuals, scholars, innovators, builders, dreamers, you know, he emotionally healthy people. Right. right. But today we have everything you could possibly need, right? You don't have to work your way out of anything if you don't want to. And yet we've now going uh, emotionally and spiritually the opposite direction. We're becoming empty and depraved and calloused and hurt and thirsty. And so Satan is doing this on purpose, in my opinion. And this is one of the reasons why Marxism is so evil. Because what it does is it justifies the means to gain an end. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the primary goal of cultural Marxism ultimately is to beat people down. And what, the, what I mean is when you read about Lenin's strategy historically, he spent 20 years creating social upheaval. He spent 20 years maximizing the suffering of uh, the proletariat, the peasant, so to speak. And he went out of his way to even do what today we would call deep fakes. You know, um, he would create these things that enhanced suffering for people. Why did he do that? Because you need at least 35% of the population of society to be completely disgusted and aggrieved about their current system. They're so beat down, they want to overthrow it, right? Mm -hmm. And so train modern Marxists attempt to create social unrest. Why do you think, you know, and I mean, this has been uh, uh, well documented is George Soros ha is a billionaire. He is a Marxist and he has funded uh, the campaigns of a lot of DAs in major cities throughout the United States, right? And his candidate won and then these DAs go in and what they do is they don't prosecute crime, right? 
Now, they think the reason I'm not prosecuting crime is because I believe that systems are oppressive and racist and people, minorities have been overly impacted by these. And, and so I'm just not going to do it anymore. Right. But that's not why George Soros is funding them. George Soros is funding them because he knows that's what they're going to do. And then that's going to create more social unrest. What has happened to crime in all of our major cities in the last five to eight years? It's gone through the roof. It's all this social unrest. Why does he want that? Well, because if it goes up, then people who are Marxists sound more attractive, right? Right. More people will listen to them. Uh, one of the things that I find so interesting is the movement in America today to actually say, well, let's tear down America because it was wrongfully formed from the very beginning and start over. Uh, just this last week, I was reading about, uh, you know, you read about all these graduation ceremonies and all these different things and who spoke. And a lot of times you can... All the commencement ceremonies. Yeah, commencement stuff, yeah. ceremonies. And I, I don't know this. I, it may sound a little weird, but I kind of go out there and listen to a lot of the different ones. Oh, what did they say to these new generation of people that are going to go out and make their way in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was one out of uh, CUNY. It's a law school. It's an accredited public law school in New York. And they asked, uh, or they, the school voted for Fatima Muasa Mohammed to give the speech. And she got up in the commencement and she condemned the rule of law as a propagation of white supremacy and oppression across the globe. She called for a revolution to end this all. Well, what's interesting about Fatima is that she is a Yemeni. She was born in Yemen, okay, a country at war and has been at war for centuries. There is no lasting Yemen culture or society. It is a place of cruelty, hatred, injustice, murder, rape, oppression, human trafficking, uh, human sexual oppression, uh, suffering beyond belief, right? When offered a chance to escape this, where did she move to? America. America. Yeah. Which did what? Educated her and paid for her education, her undergrad, and then her law degree. And then she stands up and says, what? We should tear all this down. Well, if you're going to tear it down, if you want a revolution, what, what are you going to replace it with? That's the question nobody ever asks. When you tear something down, something replaces it, right? right. Absolutely. What are you going to replace it with? The Yemeni system, right? The, the Muslim Islamic system that she proposes to follow? Is that what we're going to do? See, this doesn't make any sense. What a stark contradiction. But why people look back and go, why are so many bad things happening in the world? Because Satan wants people beat down. He wants more misery because more misery equates what? less receptivity to the seed of the gospel. Right. Yeah. I think the, this idea of just constantly it's, it's that age old adage of people just want to tear things down, but they don't want to build anything. And so we see that again in this thing of, well, I'm going to give this speech to tell everyone that we need to destroy everything, but there's no proposal on how we fix anything afterwards or what yeah. we're replacing it with. Right. And just that idea of slowly little by little causing more and more chaos so then people don't have any receptivity i mean it's very like there's so many people that just don't watch the news anymore right because yeah. they're like i just all it does is make me sad and it's like okay 
yes, that is probably true, but that also means you're completely uneducated about what's going on in the world or at least having an idea, right? And so it's like you are losing your understanding of what's going on around you and the world's just doing stuff and you have no idea, right? So yeah, and that's just deconstructionism right. is the virtue is in tearing down. Right. There are no solutions. It's just tear it down. And you're like, okay, how does that make anything better? And that's why we say deconstructionism always leads to what? Nihilism. Right. And so we see these issues of tear it all down, but we have no solid plan after that. We just want to see it all burn. And then, burn it. Yeah. And then we're sure whatever comes out of it's going to be better, but uh, that seems highly unlikely. Hi, yeah. Highly unlikely. Anarchy. I'm yeah. sure it's super easy to get everyone back on the same page, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I'm sure that's so easy. So yeah. yeah, I think, I think this idea of just continue to beat people down, make them no, see no happiness or joy in the world. And they will just be forever cynical of everything around them. They don't yeah. see any benefits to anything going on in their life. Why get married? There's no benefit, right? Why mm -hmm. get, why have kids? There's no benefit. Why participate in society? There's no benefit. And then it just turns us into people that self isolate and mm -hmm. have no desire to interact with anyone. And then you see no happiness and there's no point in being here anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's what's happening. So this parable of this, the beaten down soil really makes a lot of sense in today's mm, world, both absolutely. individually and, you know, societally. And, the, you know, the next, next soil, he says, is the rocky soil. And the rocky soil, he says, represents people who are shallow. You know, they, they're incapable of developing a root. So on a personal level, avoid being shallow at all costs in your life. And let me kind of talk into that just a little bit. First of all, shallow people suffer way more than deep people. They suffer so much more. Deep people are more joyful, they're happy, they're less stressed, they have little anxiety in their life, they enjoy life so much more than those who are shallow. They're also physically more healthy, they live longer. And the thing about shallow versus deep is there's a myth. And this is the myth. You have to be a high IQ intellectual in order to be deep. But this is just plain silly. Some of the deepest people I ever met were salt of the earth, blue collar people. Farmers, ranchers, electricians, you know, uh, manufacturing people. Some of these people were the deepest people you'll ever met because depth is not intellectualism. Depth is not intellectualism. It's not about how much you know. This is why university professors are the most shallow people you'll ever meet, right? They're so shallow that they can't allow other people to have a different opinion than them, mm. right? Without being triggered. It's just absolutely absurd. What they're saying is, I'm a shallow person. Protect me in a safe space. There will come a time when you will be persecuted for believing, he says, for your convictions. And that is going to prove whether you have deep roots or not. Um, I have a fairly controversial position uh, on the movement that happened in the 90s called Promise Keepers. I don't okay. know if you ever heard Promise Keepers. I have heard of them, But yes. it was a massive movement. And so I talk, I, I've spoken on this before, and I have a position called The Day Promise Keepers Died. 
And what happened is, it, as a movement, it was just growing. They were they were renting out football stadiums, filling them up. It was huge. M- huge men going to it. Men would come in and speak and talk about, you know, be a godly man, keep your promises, you know, all of these types of Christian virtues and ethics and challenging men to do it. And there was a brotherhood of man that had been lost in our society, mm-hmm. right? And so the leadership said, well, let's take this and let's go to Washington, D.C. We're going to have a million man march. The Promise Keepers Convention that happened there was one of the biggest that they've ever seen. More people attended ever before. But the reason, but after that, it pretty much started to just die, just kind of piddled out. And the reason why is because when they decided to go there, the press invited feminist leaders to come out and criticize it. And they came out and they criticized it as the patriarchy and criticized this and criticized that. And all the spokesmen for Promise Keepers were great guys. They were wonderful men of character, but they were theologically shallow. And so they basically said, oh, this isn't about putting women down. It's about bringing men up. Instead of, and at, front, at that moment is when it died, because there was nobody who had theological depth that said, this is absolutely a movement against the flaws of feminism. Feminism hates men. Feminism wants to destroy men. And then quote what the feminists were saying, you see, but they didn't do that. Okay. And what happened is they told all of these men, we're challenging you to be a promise keeper, to step up, to be a man of character. But when it counts, fold like a cheap pup tent. Don't defend what you believe. Don't stand strong. And there's one thing where you will lose the heart of men. And that is when you're unwilling to fight for what you believe and say, I absolutely am opposed to feminism. And the whole reason promise keep people are coming to promise keepers is because feminism has failed, but they didn't do that. They didn't have that battle of, of thought, right? They didn't stand on their convictions and say, I don't care what you say. You're wrong. And we're right. Okay. And then let the chips fall where they may. And at that moment promise within two years is pretty much gone. Mm. So I, I think one of the things that that we have to realize is that um, societally, the whole society is becoming more shallow, not deeper. Uh, Our society, Satan wants shallow people, right? Not people who know what they believe and why they believe it. Those people are independent thinkers. Society doesn't want independent thinkers. Society today wants sheeple, people that will vote the way they want so they can stay in power. Look at our educational system right now. Do you think it's producing independent, critically thinking individuals? No. 60% of our children cannot read at grade level. 75% of the children in public education cannot do math or science at grade level. But they are scared to death the world will end in the next 10 years because of global warming and plastic straws. They're scared to death of it, right? And they say, this is the number one issue facing our future. They believe they live in the most oppressive society that ever existed. And it must be torn down, even though 95% of all people fleeing their country of origin, you know, as refugees or immigrants want to come to America. 
Now, if you could read and if you could think logically, which is the whole point of studying math, um, then you could ease, not be easily led or manipulated into these things, into this shallowness. But that's what our society wants. Because if you're shallow and you don't think deep, then when bumper sticker cliches are, you know, influential in your life. And that's just not how you become a happy, healthy, stand on your own two feet, grounded individual. Yeah. You get blown around very easily, right? Yep. You just get taken by whatever the new fad is, whatever the culture says is right is now suddenly right in your mind. And you don't mm -hmm. even ask, well, weren't we saying something different like two months ago? Yeah. Like there's none of that. It's just, oh, well, this is now suddenly wrong because the culture and the influencers and whatever proponent of whatever thing said on TV that this is the way we're doing things now. And that if you disagree with them, you're, uh, you have a phobia of some sort phobia or some sort of bigot or whatever. Right. And yeah. it's like, Oh, well then I must be those things if I don't get in line. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like this, this master word that keeps you in line. And it's like, well, but no, what if I just don't think that this one thing is accurate that yeah. makes me suddenly hate everything and everybody in the world and i'm the worst person like there's there are truly some people out there that are it, it goes back to this idea of trauma right when yeah. when everybody has trauma the people with real deep trauma are deserved because now it's yeah. oh everybody has it right and the issue is when everybody's an igot or an ist or a yeah. whatever now the people that really are the issue they just fall yeah. into the background yeah. and it's they get like, a pass. Yeah. They get a pass because everyone else is getting called out and it's like, no, you're, you're missing the people that are really truly hateful towards yeah. X, Y, or Z. Right. right. And you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're overusing the word to the point where it has no meaning anymore. Right. Yeah. And so there's that rocky soil yeah. is ideal because yeah. it's like no one sits and goes and thinks past step one. It's yeah. I was told this, therefore it must be true. Well, what you were just saying about that, how when you call everything a phobia, then the real issues get get overlooked, right? They right. get pushed out. And it, it made me think, if I may quote Syndrome from The Incredibles, <laughs> you know, when everybody has a superpower, then nobody is super. Right. Right. So, well, I think that the last soil that we talked about is uh, that doesn't work is the weedy soil. It's all about allowing the pressures of living in this world uh, choke out your faith. And he, he lists two specific things. One is the worries of the world or anxiety, right? And then the deceitfulness. So worry and deceit are the two things. Um, on a personal level, I think the, this parable, uh, soil is ac applicable in that we develop anxiety when we have expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And, our effort, our energy, our skill set doesn't match our expectations. And what that is, is that's called self-awareness. You, The more self-aware you are, the more ambitious you want to be. The more self-aware you are, the more you want to dream of new things. The less self-aware you are, the less you want to dream, right? right? You know, like if you're a five foot, one inch Jewish guy with no athletic ability, dreaming of playing in the NBA is not, you know, a healthy dream. It's delusional, right? Well, that's because you don't have any self-awareness. And so, you know, that's why you want to be good soil, because if you're 
if you're uh, filled with deceit, self-deceit about yourself or about wealth, and uh, you have anxiety, then your expectations are out of line, and Satan loves that because he can choke out your faith. On a societal level, um, it makes uh, perfect sense in what we're seeing today. You know why Marxism is gaining ground in America so much today? It's because what I call the Tower of Babel uh, syndrome. What's that? Well, our belief that we can build a utopia. You see, the whole point of the Tower of Babel, a lot of people miss the point. The point isn't they have different languages. No, the point is, is that they balkanized, right? They divided because they were arrogant enough that they could believe, build a city to God, right? right? And the city to God was their utopia. But in their attempt to build the utopia, it created such division they balkanized so much so that they even spoke different languages. They couldn't even understand each other anymore. And I think that's what's happening today is that people not only don't talk to each other, but they can't even understand each other mm-hmm. anymore. They, they write off half of the country in the blink of an eye like those people can't think. And our goal is to just beat them at just enough, you know, a half a percent or 500 votes so that then we can enforce our belief. That's just not the way a representative republic works. Right? Well, that's not how a good society works. At I mean, all, if, yeah. If you can't even talk to your neighbor and not say, if you say one wrong word, then suddenly everything you've ever said, believed, or done is now evil yeah. and wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's not how... Nobody gets along that way. Yeah, it's like at some point you will say something that offends someone else, and if you can't get to the point where you're like, well, let's talk about why I said that, or let's talk about how we don't disagree on this thing, then it's like eventually we all turn into just individual little groups of families that won't talk to anybody else because yeah. everyone else has said one thing that has made them a blank, blank, or blank to us, yeah. and we can't trust them or believe you them. You just balkanize, or, and yeah. we divide. And just, yeah. yeah. So and where does this idea, you know, and that's what Satan does, is he's, he he gets us filled with anxiety He because we believe we can build a utopia, but it's in building the utopia that we are arrogant and we start to get divide. Where does this idea come from? It's like I said, on a personal level, when your expectations um, don't match your self-awareness, that's where all your anxiety comes from, Mm -hmm. right? Well, in the same way societally, it's this way. Half of the equation is Christian in origin, which is interesting, and that is the notion is that we're to go in and help our fellow man and we're to we're to love each other we're trying to build a better place forgive each other and and share and you know all these type of communal type things to build up you even read about the first century church it says they had all things in common this isn't to advocate communism what the point is is that they were concerned about meeting the needs of those who were less fortunate or had been struck by tragedy so you take a christian ethic and then you couple it with the rousseauian idea of society that we've talked about before and that is there's nothing wrong with you it's all society it's all society's fault of course, when you th- see a shallow person goes, yeah, it's all society's fault. But they, a deeper what person is, what goes, is society made what up is of? society made up of is individual people, <laughs> you know? And so what's interesting about this is Marxism is gaining ground in America because it postulates a utopia. And then it make, points out all the failings of free markets, liberty, personal, private property, freedom, and all this. So it raises the expectations of people and then allows you to deconstruct it more easily. 
Well, talk to me, Pastor, as we wrap up today. I, I don't want to end on just the three sucky soils. <laughs> talk to me about good soil. The three sucky soils. That should be a book right that there. That should be a book. Well, I think the, the main issue is is the good soil. That's what it's all about. And I, I think what deep people do is they think, okay, I really want to understand what it's not so I can recognize it and see it, you know, just like we talked about in the parable of the weeds, you know, really experienced farmers go, yeah, I know that that's not wheat, even though it looks like it. Right. Right. And so the discernment requires you to understand the bad soils in order to understand and really live as good soil. And the main issue in good soil is this good soil reproduces. And what does it reproduce? More seeds of the kingdom. So it brings in more people. The, the, as the parable shows the kingdom mission of a follower of Jesus is to plant the seed of the gospel. This is called evangelism and then disciple people to maturity. You can't do one without the other. You must preach the gospel, evangelize, and you must disciple to maturity. So the way you know that your good soil is not the intensity of your belief Uh, The way you know your good soil is not how much you dream about doing for God in your head. The proof of good soil is a very simple question. How are you participating in the leading of other people to Jesus or discipling them to maturity? Are you working the soil around (laughs) you, right? Yeah. Because I think that's fine if you're a farmer who has one little plot that is super well grown and it it produces each each year right that's Mm -hmm. fine if you have this little square in your acreage but your real dream is that your entire acreage is full and that does require you to go out there and do some work and break it up and sometimes your good section of soil gets messed up and you got to go back and do some stuff do some work yeah and i am definitely a work in progress yeah and so there's the the aspect of putting in the work and going out and tilling up and removing the rocks and helping break up and plant deep in other sections so that it can reproduce and then move further and further out right and he focuses that the work uh, working the soil he says specifically is planting more seeds, which is sharing the gospel. Have you shared the gospel with anybody right. in, in, in the last five years of your life? Have you sat down and said, hey, this is what I think or I believe? And that if you can do that, you know you're a good soil. That's why I encourage people is, you know, write out your testimony. You know, just write out real quick. This is what God has done in my life. You know, this is what mm-hmm. Jesus, how Jesus Christ has impacted me and what I believe. You can believe whatever you want, but this is what's happened for you. And number two is... Are you discipling anybody? You know, I, I, this is my point that I've said over and over again. I call it the principle of the five, and that is you should always have five people in your life that you're praying for, that you're meeting with. You know, you don't have to meet with them every week, but people that you're trying to lead. Because if you've been a Christian for five years and you can't find somebody who knows less than you, then you're not good soil. Mm. I hate to say that, but it's just the, the, it's the truth. What you are is you're rocky soil. Right. right. And all it's going to take is a stiff suffering or a scorching sun to 
kill dry your you faith. up and yeah. blow you away. Blow you away. And we don't want that. So find, and sometimes the best thing you can do is find somebody who knows less. I was talking to this guy the other day who said, well, I stepped out, you know, and I decided to teach the, one of the kids classes, like the, the six and seven year olds or something like that. And he said, he later on, he was telling me, he goes, it's been the best thing for me. Cause when I study that lesson, I learned more about God <laughs> than <laughs> it, I'm teaching. The, yeah. I've children. learned more about God as a teacher of kids, you know, well, and isn't that the way with everything? Like when I was yep. starting dance, the best thing I ever did was when I started teaching others, cause it required me to better understand than them. Yeah. So I didn't look dumb, but also <laughs> to be able to explain it to them. Right. Yeah. And you can't explain it to someone else who doesn't understand it. If you don't have any idea more knowledge than them. Right. Yeah. And so that's one of the best things you can do is just step out and go, I'm going to do this thing so that I can be better at it. Right. So being good soil doesn't take a lot. It just takes two simple commitments. One is I'm going to share my faith and figure out how to do that. And then I'm going to have practice the principle of the five. I'm going to try to find, you know, three to five people that I I pray over. I want to, you know, maybe one of them's unsaved. Maybe it's a brother or somebody and, mm. You know, maybe it's a, a coworker or a neighbor or something. And, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is just invite them to church or invite them to a church activity, right? right? You know, a church barbecue, a church thing for their kids and, and just slowly work, you know, invite them over to your house, hang out with them, you know, and, you know, you don't have to preach, you know, a message every time they're over, right? right. Just enjoy them and get to right. know them and slowly plant the seed of the gospel of truth. And then, you know, other people disciple. If you're in doing those two things in your faith, I guarantee you'll be good soil. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for sharing these insights on this parable with us. I'm excited to hear what you have to share on Sunday and how you're going to really drive it home. Are we expecting any more uh, long-lost cousins and brothers of yours this week? <laughs> People have been having mixed reviews on it, but I think as a whole, they're enjoying meeting your extended family that are so diverse. <laughs> well, it's and an attention getter. It's a, that's all it was meant to be is, is an attention getter. Oh, you and got their attention. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Okay. Blessings.